my hands lifted high Oh God, the battle belongs to you And every fear I lay at your feet I'll sing through the night Oh God, the battle belongs to you
and we want the opportunity to meet you, to connect with you, and to hear your story. So do me a favor, before you leave here today, head on back to our welcome bar so that we have the opportunity to connect with you. If you're joining us online for the first time this morning, welcome, do me a favor, and click the I'm new button and tell us a little bit about yourself. I'd also like to encourage you encourage you to check us out for three different weekends. Each weekend here at Thorn Creek is just a little bit different, and we really want you to get a feel for who we are as a church and as a community. Here at Thorn Creek, you matter. Your story matters. Your gifts and your talents matter, and we need you. So if you're not already involved here with what Thorn Creek is doing, do me a favor, pull out your phone and scan this QR code and let us know that you're ready to take that next step to jump in with what Thorn Creek is doing here in our community. Let's continue worshiping. Thank you. 
Your very breath is in our lungs right now, God, and we sing with the breath of God. Lord, I thank you that you are dwelling right here in this place. You are dwelling in hearts. Your presence is here. God, you're not distant. You're not hard to reach. You are present, God, to all people. No matter what place in life we're in, whether we find ourselves in the middle of the mountaintop, things are going well, or we find ourselves lost, broken, confused, hurting and searching. God, you meet us and you are with us and you dwell in us regardless. God, because of your grace, because of your mercy, because of your truth, Lord. So God, awaken us right now. Breathe miracles into this place right now. Show us, God, you are the God who is more than able to accomplish more than we could ever ask or think or imagine according to your mighty power that is at work in us right now. God, we th thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for your presence in our hearts. We turn our focus on you, Lord. Have your way in it. When did I start to forget all of the great things you did? When did I throw away faith for how did I start to believe you weren't sufficient for me? Why do I talk myself out of seeing
God, you are able to do so much more. There's no circumstance, Lord, that is too much for you. There's no person who's too far gone, Lord. For God, you are more than able. You are more than able to handle our situation. Forgive us, Lord, when our faith is less than what it could be. God, you've shown up time and time again. All of us, we can look back in our life, we can think of time and time again when God has moved, God has shown up, God has taken care of that need, God has taken care of that burden. So when that diagnosis comes, when that situation arises, you know that God is more than able. I encourage us today, live in a place of bold faith in who your God is. You serve the God, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the creator of everything and everyone. Nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is impossible for God.
stayed there and just kept on worshiping. Anybody need a touch from God today? Anybody need a touch from God? Oh, this is a good place to cry out to God. You're in a good place where nobody has it all together, right? We all need God. Uh, singing that song, Holy, 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 reminds me of, a, reminds me of a, the book of Revelation talks about a, a time when all of those who've been washed by the blood of the Lamb will be singing Holy, Holy, Holy. That beautiful. We're singing holy, holy, holy. Psalm chapter 40 says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay. And he set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. And I love this part. Check it out. He put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise to our God. Anybody need a new song? You know what I'm talking about? You just need a new song. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. I don't know what's going on in your life right now, but God does. God knows what kind of night you had, what kind of week you've had. He knows what's happening in your life. God sees you, and God loves you, and God cares about you, and God wants you to go deeper. God wants you to turn to him with all of your heart. And it's found in Jesus Christ. It's found in Jesus Christ. I'd encourage you to just open up your heart and uh, let God have his way. Don't get distracted. Whatever you're facing will be when you walk, will be there when you walk out the door. So right now, just say, God, I need you. I need you more than anything else. Let's pray. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. You're so good. And Lord, we humble ourselves before you. Would you work here, Holy Spirit? You've already moved in such a beautiful way in the last two services, and do it again. I pray for those who are watching online right now. I pray, God, that you minister to their hearts wherever they're at, whether they're in their house, their living room, in their car, at work, or on a run, wherever they're doing, Lord, I pray that you touch them. And I pray, God, for every soul here. I pray for those who are working through health situations. 
I pray for those who are battling their private demons, their private giants. I pray for those who are exhausted or discouraged or feel weak or want to give up. God, would you work here in a powerful way? I also pray, Lord, for those people who are held in spiritual bondage, those people who are maybe are working through addictions, God, would you set them free in this service in the name of Jesus Christ? And Lord, by your grace, continue to work in me and through me, by your grace. Holy Spirit, you're in charge. You've always been in charge, Holy Spirit. Jesus, this is your church. I want to pray for our students who are at a youth conference in Tampa, Florida, God, and I thank you for the way you moved in their hearts, and I pray you continue to move in their hearts as they're worshiping with 10,000 other students from across USA and Canada. Be with them as they travel back. Take care of them, Lord. And I pray, God, that you just set a fire in the heart of every person in the house and online, and may your will be done. Thank you, God, for your presence. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray all of this. Amen. For the kingdom. For the kingdom. You missed it. For the kingdom. Amen. That's why we do it, guys. Turn to someone and tell them he's a big God, and then you can have a seat. Just tell them he's a big God, then you can have a seat. Thank you so much, church. You guys are awesome. Would you show your appreciation to our worship team, guys? They're amazing. Thank you. They, they put in so much work every weekend. They just lay themselves out. They want to be a blessing and want to help you connect with God. And uh, it's not unusual uh, for us to get some sort of message from someone talking about how God moved in their heart during the worship service. So um, thank you for being a part of that. Hey, so our students are at a youth conference in Tampa, Florida, and I wanted to show you just a little snippet of what they're experiencing. Here's, here's a video here. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? Crying out to Jesus. Yeah, you can put your hands together for that. That's a great thing. Uh, it's good. To, it's good. It's okay to applaud for that. So uh, I'm excited. Pray for them. You know, my prayer is that a fire gets started. As a fire gets started in your heart and your life and, and whatever God wants to do in your, in your life. So um, um, anyone celebrate Fourth of July with fireworks over the weekend? Um, anybody pop? I heard fireworks around my house, so I think anybody do it illegally. You want to confess right now and say, "Yeah, that was me." So my dog. This is my dog. I've talked about my dog a lot. His name's Caddy, and this is a problem dog. If anybody wants one, wants him, let me know. Well, my daughter would kill me for saying that, but she's not in town right now. <laughs> but anyway, uh, my dog. I joked around how he doesn't know Jesus. But I think he knows Jesus now, but he know, he knows he's not sanctified, which is the worst kind of Christian, because they know all the Bible stories, they don't know all the verses, there's just no transformation. And so <laughs> that's my dog. And Fourth uh, of July, fireworks go off, and he goes to this dark place in our house, and he lies down, and he just stays there till everything calms down. And my daughter, who's out of town right now in Tampa, she's like telling me, Dad, 
you got to give them this, uh, what is it, CDC, CBC, what is that called? CBC, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, it's basically my dog's on, on pot. That's what my dog's on. And I'm like, I don't want to give him marijuana. I don't want to give it. And he's like, no, no, CBD. There it is, CBD. That's what it is. You know what that is? Nobody's helping me out. Dr. Dan, you can help me out. You know what it is, it's CBD. So anyway, I'm like, no, he can grit through it. You know, he can push through it. You know, he'll be all right. And he's like, no, Dad, he needs CBD. I said, I said, sweetheart, I think he's addicted, you know, to to, you know, wacky tobacco here. I think, I think he's the, and she's like, no, dad, it's different. It's CBD. And I'm like, sweetheart, I think he's, different. no, he's not. And she says, look, every, every time there's thunder, there's something that happens inside of him. It's like a trigger, dad. And he'll, he, he needs, he needs it, dad. And I'm like, that's addiction. I think right there. It's like, no, he goes, his personality changes. And I'm like, mm-hmm. And then she says, if he doesn't get it, He'll start to shake. And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> He's addicted to it. He's addicted to it. But uh, we're, we're looking at, and in all seriousness, we're, well, today's title of the message is Breaking Addictions. Breaking Addictions. Uh, I'm not sure about my dog. But, uh, but we're in this series called Transitions over the summer months. And during the summer months, a lot of times we make decisions about different stuff, where we work and where we're going to live. And we make personal decisions. And sometimes during the summer months, it's about, you know what, I want to be a different person. I want to be a better version of who I am, and I want to do that. So today we're going to be looking at addictions, and all of us face some form of addiction, whether we realize it or not. But um, I want to start with Psalm 145. It says this, and let's read it out loud, guys. It's a way cool verse. Let's read it. The Lord is merciful and compassionate. Come on. Slow and filled with unfailing love. Thank you guys for participating so far right now, you're my favorite service out of all three, because right now you're playing with me, so thank you. Uh, the Lord is merciful. Aren't you glad God is merciful? I always say, you know, you don't really appreciate the grace of God till you need it. When you need the grace of God in your life, all of a sudden it becomes real. All of a sudden you appreciate his mercy and his grace and who he is. Um, we're going to look at this, this word addiction and what it looks like, so I want to first look at addiction and talk about what it is, and then we're going to jump into Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to read some scripture. Um, what is an addiction? Uh, one definition says this, to cause to become physiologically or psychologically dependent on a habit-forming substance. So this is like the traditional definition of addiction. So the things that kind of fall under this definition are uh, drugs, prescription drugs, um, it could be heroin, opioid, alcohol, all those common things that you typically associate addiction with, and this is what it falls under. Um, anyone addicted to caffeine, like you need it every day, and Starbucks has your name and that kind of thing, I'm, I'm addicted to that, I could say that. I'm grateful here at Thorn Creek, every Friday night, we have a men's recovery night. And we have so many stories of people who have been delivered from addictions. And we celebrate in this church when someone's like one week clean, or one month clean, or one year clean, or five years clean. That's a huge deal. And we just appreciate them, and we cheer them on, and, and, and we just encourage them, and that's what we do. And, and we celebrate with them. Here's another definition of addiction. To occupy oneself with or involve oneself in something habitually or compulsively. So this is a little bit broader. And this is saying there's a lot of things that could be an addiction. One of them is known as a digital 
addiction. You probably have it in your pocket right now, right? Your phone. That can be an addiction, very much so. I wonder in heaven if we're going to go to heaven and be like, oh, where's my phone? You know what I mean? Jesus, do we have good Wi-Fi up here? I was wanting to, I need to check the game, Jesus. Are we, are we good? I wonder how many, I, I need to check my socials. I need, to do, I need to do that. I heard there was a kid who went to the, to the uh, uh, it was like the driver's uh, ed place. I say kid, forgive me. It tells me a little. But they asked him, hey, what's your social? And instead of giving him his social security number, he told her his Instagram handle. And then he <laughs> was like, no, I need your social security number, not your, anyway. But anyway, so, uh, it was hilarious. But, uh, um, you know, the, the, the average says it's two and a half hours. We'll spend two and a half hours every day looking at our cell phone. When I was uh, in Chicago just a week ago or two weeks ago, went out there to, with my daughter because she's orientation for college and she's getting ready to go. And uh, we had one weekend there, and the goal was to help her find a church. So we were outside of Chicago. I'm not going to tell you the name of the church because I, I don't want you guys to look it up. But we decided to look for this church. We went to this one church, and, and we drove up, and, and she's looking for something similar to Thorn Creek. And we decided to try this one out. And uh, I dropped off Grace, my wife, and Hannah. And they went inside to go get a seat, and then I parked the car. And then I walked in later. So they're sitting in the back row, which I told them, let's just sit in the back, you know, to check it out, because that's what we do, right, when we're visiting. I've been there before. <laughs> so we sat in the back, and we're, of course, just checking out everything. And when you're visiting a church, studies say within the first seven minutes, you're making a decision about the church. You're coming to do some conclusions. And, and that was us. We were there. And uh, they have, we all stand up, and, and we're, we're worshiping, and and, uh, and then I'm thinking, and actually, you know what I'm doing, Caleb? I'm thinking about a text you sent me about a church that, 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 like, he told me there's a church in this area that I should check out, and I wasn't at that church. Maybe I should have been there, Caleb. So I decided to pull out my phone to look for his text to, like, what was the name of that church? You know, so I'm, like, having buyer's remorse or something. I'm in a church. Like, maybe I should be in another church. So I'm looking at my phone, and I'm, I'm, I'm scrolling through it, and I should have said there was a gentleman sitting on my left, and then there's my daughter, Hannah, and then there's Grace on the other side. So I, we're all standing worshiping, and I'm looking at my phone for your text, Caleb. This is your fault. So I'm, I'm looking at it, and I, I can't find it. And then I thought, well, you know what? Let me do a little research on this church. So I'm researching the church. I'm looking at their website while we are worshiping. And then the guy sitting to my left shrugs me with his right shoulder, shrugs me, and says, hey, put that down. You need to pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> oh my word. I mean, I was like, you know, I didn't like that. I didn't, I'll be honest with you. I was a little defiant side in me. It's like, what do you mean? Tell You know, anybody else, would that rub you the wrong way? If somebody told you that, rub me the wrong way. Anybody else? Lie to me. No, come on out. I'm under construction, I guess. It rubbed me the wrong way. And I'm like, that's not cool, what he said. So I, I purposely keep looking. That was probably a problem. But I, I just didn't like it. So anyway, I keep looking. And then after a while, I'm like, all right, I was reading about the website, the church and all that stuff. And I read as much as I could about the vision and all that stuff. And I put my phone away, put it in my pocket and, and sing some songs. And then we sit down and then the pastor comes up and he gives a great message and he starts, you know, sharing scripture. So I reach back into my pocket and I pull out my phone and I'm looking at my Bible app and I'm reading the verses while the preacher is talking about these same verses 
And we do that a lot here. And, and we're just reading the verses. And I'm just you know, comparing versions while I read it. I'm reading more scripture before and after, that kind of thing. And then the guy next to me, out of, I mean, just, he doesn't know me. I'm, he says, that's your God. That's your God. That's your God. And he starts pointing at my phone. Everyone around me just kind of looked at me. And I was one of the few people of color there. I'm just telling you, I felt like, wow. As I, show my, I show my phone, and I'm, pointing, I'm showing it to him, and I'm like, it's my Bible, brother. It's, and then everybody's just looking at me. I'm like, it's my Bible, guys. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, my, it's my Bible, guys. It's my Bible. And then, and then at this time, it's like, like I put it down, and he's just hot. And he said he went up to another level, and Grace is sitting on the other side of Hannah. And she's like, let's go. <laughs> if you've ever been there before, it's like, this is not a good place. I don't want to be here. But I wanted to take communion. So we, I, I, I thought about this, and I thought, you know, we ended up taking communion. We left early, and I was waiting for someone to follow us because he said it out loud. And I was waiting for someone to say, hey, I'm so sorry you had that experience. This is, that guy's just weird or something like that. But nobody followed us, and we lingered a little bit. Nobody, and you know what I thought about? I thought about uh, our Christine as one of our guest relations. I, I thought, boy, if that happened at Thorn Creek, she would have been all over them like a pit bull. She would have been like, don't you talk to our visitors like that. She would have been all said, I'm so glad at Thorn Creek we have a phenomenal guest relations team who makes sure everybody is welcome and loved. I'm so grateful for that. But it's such a negative experience, I thought, you know what, if I had been that person who'd been hurt by church, and I was a visitor, and I showed up after, let's say, years of not being at church, and if I experienced that, that would have been enough to keep me away another five years. Right there, that would have been enough. I, uh, I walked away from that, and my first instinct was just to say, how could he do this, and all that stuff, and a few days went by, had a great email exchange with the pastor, and it was good for them to hear a little feedback. But then I thought, you know what? Maybe he's right. Maybe I look at my phone too much. Maybe God was speaking to me. I think one of the hard things about us uh, turning to God is telling ourselves the truth. It's hard to look at ourselves and say, yeah, you got a bad temper. Yeah, you don't have it all together. Yeah, you need God desperately. Yeah, you, you, you know what? That's a problem. It's hard to tell ourselves the truth. Uh, another addiction that's out there is shopping. Shopping can be an addiction. These studies have shown that people can actually experience uh, an addiction, and it makes their, their brain feel excited and, and stimulated when they just go shopping. Another one is gambling. The Mayo Clinic says gambling can stimulate the brain's reward system much like drugs or alcohol can, leading to addiction. Gambling. Another one, here's a big one, pornography. Huge addiction. 98% of men have reported looking at internet porn in the last six months. 98%. Women, 73%. It's huge. Most kids today are exposed to porn by the age 13. That's pretty crazy. And it affects our brain. Here's some signs you might be addicted. You feel like you want it. You need it. You think about it at 2 o'clock in the morning. When you have a rough day... When you're stressed, when you're discouraged, you go to it. You need it to cope through life. You take risks. You know it's, it's not good. You know it produces negative consequences, but you do it anyway. Or you keep it a secret. 
You don't share with, with anyone. I think one of the lies of the devil is to convince yourself, to convince you that this is not going to harm you. You're in control. It's one of the subtle lies of the devil. If he can get you to think, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Then you're willing to just continue to go down the road, believing you're in control. There's some things that happen uh, with addiction. Here's a, a cycle of what, what happens. Um, there's typically, there might be pain and reaching out, and then you have some temporary relief. Then you have these negative consequences, and you might have shame, and then you kind of start all over again. When, when I saw that, you know what I thought about? I thought about the book of Judges. The book of Judges talks about what's known as a sin cycle. And here's the sin cycle. There's sin, and then because of the sin, there's some sort of oppression. There's a consequence. And then there's repentance. There's the remorse. Boy, I screwed up. I, I need to get right. And, I, I, you know, there was, you just aren't aware of that. And then, you, and then God delivers you, and it's an incredible thing. God delivers you, and then there's a season of peace, but then what happens? You go back to worshiping that pagan idol or whatever it is, and it's just a cycle. Now, the only way you can beat a cycle of addiction, the only way you can experience that overcoming life is through Jesus Christ. This is not about your willpower. You aren't that strong. Turn to the person next to you and just tell them you ain't that strong. Can you do that? Just tell them you ain't that strong. It's not. Have you ever tried to, like, not blow your cool, not blow your temper? Have you ever tried to, like, be careful with your words and say, okay, I want God help me to say the right things? Have you ever tried that? Have you ever tried to, like, I'm not going to look at this, and then you find out, oh, have you been there before? How to break an addiction. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21 says this. Paul the Apostle is talking to the, this church in Ephesus. And this church in Ephesus is made up of people who are trying to do life with God. They recognize they need to do life with God. They're looking, for Jesus, looking at Jesus Christ. And here's his advice. And there's so much beautiful truth in here that could help us with a cycle of addictions. Paul says, since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, since you've been to church. How many of you have grown up in church? Yeah. Since you've been to church, how many Bible studies have you been in? How many Sunday school classes have you been in? How much do you know? Since you've been to church, here it is, verse 22. Throw off your old sinful nature. Say throw off out loud. We'll throw off. Throw off. Oh, you guys are awesome. And, and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. So here, here it is. It's not just an intellectual decision to say, yeah, I believe in God. It's not even just like reading scripture and saying, yep, I'm going to read scripture and I, I know the story now. I know the story about the woman at the well. Or I know about Moses now. I know about the patriarchs and I can teach. It's not, no, 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 no. You got to throw it off. You got to throw it off. Throw it off. Say it again. Throw it off. Throw it off. There's that action step right there. It, see, spiritual growth is not about how much you know. It's about how you live because of what you know. That's spiritual growth. 
And Paul says, hey, if you want to go to the next level, you got to throw off your old sinful nature. What's the sinful nature? Well, when Adam and Eve, our spiritual grandparents, sinned in the garden in Genesis chapter 3, that sin spread to all of humanity. And because of them, we're born as sinners and we sin. I didn't have to teach my kids how to lie. Nobody had to teach me how to lie, right? You know what I'm talking about. Haven't you seen that streak in other people, even in adults? Even in adults, right? You see that streak. That's that sinful nature running inside of them. And, and Paul is saying you're going to throw off your old sinful nature. The literal Greek language there means your worn out, decrepit, useless self. And it's referring to someone who used to live a certain way. Now, I used to think church is a waste of time. There was a day I didn't read my Bible all the time. There was a day I didn't care about God. There was a day I didn't seek God. There was a day I didn't, I, I didn't think about, does God, does God care about what I'm doing? Is he pleased with my life? I didn't think like that. There was a day that I, I just thought all Christians were a bunch of hypocrites. And I thought, I don't want to go to church. There was a day that I had that kind of thing. And Paul is saying, hey, if you, if you really are growing in your relationship with God, then you've got to be willing to throw off your old ways. See, changing your thoughts start with letting God change your heart. That's where it starts. Too many times what we try to do to be a better person is we use a bunch of willpower, but our heart has not changed. And true transformation happens when you allow God's Holy Spirit to change your heart. That's when true transformation happens. When your heart is truly changed, then what comes out is evidence that the Spirit of God is working and transforming your heart. Does that make sense? Last week, I talked about a hard heart versus a soft heart. A hard heart is someone who has, is stubborn and prideful and unteachable. And when you're unteachable, nobody can teach you anything because you know everything. Right? But when you're soft... You're open to the possibility that maybe God's not done with you. Maybe, maybe God has more for you. Maybe. When it comes to addictions, you need to understand this. There is a cycle many times involved with addictions. Many times. Why do you think when you go to the doctor's office, the doctor asks you, tell me about your mama and daddy. Did they have heart problems? Did they have any heart issues? Did they have high cholesterol? Did they have high blood pressure? Did they have diabetes? And you're sitting in the doctor's office thinking, why are you asking me all the questions about my mama and daddy? It's me. You know what they know? It gets passed on. Certain things get passed on. Same thing with addictions and many other character issues. It gets passed on. And let me say it this way. I want to say it this way. At some point in your life, you're going to have to fight your daddy's devil. At some point. Or your mama's devil. Alcoholics, what happens? Many times it runs in the family, doesn't it? Alcoholism. And other issues, too. All other types of sins. Many times it's passed on. Have you ever heard someone say, yep, I got my daddy's temper. I got my mama's temper. Yep, I'm anxious because my mama was anxious. And I'm stressed because my daddy was always stressed. Or whatever it might be. Things are passed on. Here's the good news. You can break the cycle today in the name of Jesus Christ. You can break the cycle today in the name of Jesus Christ. Yeah, you can break the cycle. Today you can say, I'm not going to serve that devil. I'm not going to let that devil take over my life. I know the consequences of it. I'm going to start a new heritage, a new trajectory, a new branch. And it's going to be part of my story, 
but it's not going to dominate me like it did them. You have to understand this. Paul said this, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Renew your thoughts and attitudes. That word renew, it means renovate. Renovate by internal reformation. It's like you renovate your bathroom or that bedroom or that kitchen. You allow God's Holy Spirit to renovate your mind, your thoughts. You think differently because Jesus Christ is your Lord. You think differently because you said, God, I want your will above all else. Not my will, but your will. You have to understand, addictions affect the brain. They affect the brain. Our brain operates on a reward system. Good actions produce good results. God put something in us to help us know what's good. And you know what it's called? Dopamine. Dopamine. We all have it. Dopamine is that chemical released in the brain that makes you feel good. And the reason why God put that there is to help you know what's right. To help you, to give you that affirmation so you get that little shot of dopamine, that natural that says, oh, this felt good. It felt good going to church. I felt good. It felt good worshiping. It felt good to pray for. I mean, you just get, there's this affirmation. You hold the door open for someone, and there's a little shot of dopamine. It's like, ah, good job. You know what I mean? But we also have dopamine in other times. When you're on social media and somebody likes something on your, on your, your social, <laughs> uh, that's a little, little shot of dopamine there. It's like, oh, that's why I always like, oh, I got another like. I got another like. You know, somebody else saw my video. I'm going to go look. You know, that's dopamine right there. But addictive substances can hijack, can hijack your brain. And check this out. Addictive substances. Now, whatever kind of addiction it is, porn, drugs, whatever, they produce 10 times the amount of dopamine in your brain. 10 times. It's a huge dopamine rush. You know what else produces that much rush? Naturally, nothing. So what it does is literally it takes you to another level, and you got this huge rush in your brain, and if you keep doing it, check it out. Your brain identifies a new normal, and it needs a certain level of dopamine to continue. That's why people who are caught up in that life, all of a sudden, the things that they naturally would take joy in they're a little more numb. They don't take as much joy as they used to. Their sex life has changed. The way they see things have changed. One sip isn't enough. One hit isn't enough. You know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden, it's because that dopamine has gone to such a different level, and it actually affects now their decision-making, their memory, and their judgment. So here's the prayer some of you need to say, because if that's where you're at, you're here right now, and you're sober, hallelujah. Here's what I want, to, want you to say. Ask God to heal your brain. You ever said that prayer? Put your hand on your head and say, God, heal my brain in the name of Jesus. Touch those reward pathways. Make it normal. Studies show that it's about 90 days. It's about 90 days for the brain to shake off the immediate influence of a drug. About 90 days. That's why there's 90-day programs out there. That's why. There's 90 days. So, so it's a lifelong battle, too. You know, we have people at our church who they know, I mean, I mean, part of the victory is knowing your battle. 
And we have people who have battles in their life, whether it's alcohol or drugs or whatever it is, and they just know, I'm not going to go down that street. So that's learning and that's growing. That's a lifelong battle. Um, the other side of this, I want you to see how good God is. God is so merciful that he has made your brain with the ability to heal itself. Isn't that crazy? After a time of abstinence and you recognize, okay, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to see that again. I'm not going to look at those videos. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to run with those guys anymore. I'm not going to party like that anymore. And you abstain yourself from that addiction in a matter of time. Maybe it's one week. Maybe it's a month. Maybe it's a year. It just depends on how severe it was. Your brain actually heals itself back to its normal. It's God normal. And when I, hear, when I read that, when I studied that, guys, I thought, boy, look at the mercy of God. God just knew we needed a flexible brain. God just knew. We, he wanted to extend his grace and mercy over our life. You realize the mercy and grace of God is all over you right now. Everybody, inhale. Exhale. The grace of God right there. That's the grace of God. I was talking to someone, and uh, it was so cool this week, guys. I was talking to someone, and they were about to go into rehab. In fact, they're in rehab today. And this, this person, I, I led this person to Jesus Christ over the phone. Thank you, Jesus. I led this person to Christ over the phone. I led this person to Christ over the phone. I led this person to Christ over the phone. I led this person to Christ over the phone. Hallelujah. Hell lost another one. I put it on my feet. Hell lost another one. But uh, as I was talking to them, they made this comment, and they said, I just feel like I've disappointed God. And I thought, boy, that's just a lie from the devil. The devil wants to discourage you so you stop trying, so you quit trying. Romans chapter 8 says this. Those who are dominated by their sinful nature, and that's that, again, that's that sin that has been inherited through Adam and Eve. Um, they think about sinful things. So those people who just live according to their sinful pleasures and urges and nature and there's no boundaries it's whatever they feel to go for it whatever pleasure self self-gratifying whatever it is those people who just let that sinful nature get behind the steering wheel of their life guess what they daydream about sinful things things that are not honoring to god it's very natural and then he, and then he says but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. You know how you can feed your spirit? By spending time in the Word of God. By going to church. By waking up every morning and reading God's Word. That's how you feed the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit takes a hold of your life and is behind that. So, and, and then it goes on. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. There's the consequence. But the spirit, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Life and peace. Let me ask you this question. Who's controlling you? What's controlling you right now? What, what are you feeding right now? What thoughts do you have in your head? When someone turns to God, all of a sudden, they have a desire to get right with God in every part of their life. It's a beautiful thing. They have a desire to get right with God in every part of their life. I'm so excited, guys, about July 29 and 30. 
That's why not weekend at Thorn Creek. Why not K-N-O-T. We did this a number of years ago, and we're doing it again. And that weekend, we're going to be marrying people who should be married. Uh, these are people who are, are in a relationship, and it's time for them to get married, and they've just put it off for a long time. And whatever the situation is, you know how many couples we're marrying on Why Not Weekend? Four couples on Why Not Weekend. Isn't that cool? People turning to God, saying, I want you, God, to be the center of my relationship. That's what happens when someone starts turning to God. First John 4, 4 says this, greater is he who is in you than who he who is in the world. Greater is he who is in you than the devil himself. You got to remember, the devil is not the opposite of God. The devil is a fallen angel named Lucifer. He's an angel. He's not God. He's not like God. He, God is all-knowing and all-powerful and all-present. That's not, that's not Satan. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. When you face temptation, you got to understand this. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. Say he's faithful. He's faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. There'll be an exit door. There'll be a window that's open. You'll be able to, there's a moment of grace where you don't have to go down that street. You don't have to look at that phone at this point. You know, it's a, you know you're not at a good place. You don't have to say that. You don't have to do that. There's a moment of grace. Let me say it this way. Don't play with something that has the power to take over you. Don't play with it. There's so much at stake right now. Don't play with it. I like what Paul said in, in Corinthians. He said, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. Another version says it like all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. You've been in the church for a little bit. Maybe that's the way you know this verse. And Paul is saying just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. That's what he's saying. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. And for some of us, we determine God's will on, well, if I can do it, it must be God's will. It must be okay. That's wrong thinking right there. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It's an incredible word. I was talking to someone recently, and it was this gal, and she told me the first time she came to Thorn Creek Church, she was drunk. She said that, that she came and prayed at the front. I don't remember this, but she said, she said, Pastor, I came to pray at the front, and she said, and you put your hand on my, on my back, and you prayed for me, and, and, and she said, I came to church drunk, and I left sober, and ever since then, I never drank again. That's what she told me. God still does that. Sometimes God delivers miraculously, and other times it's a little bit by time. But whatever happens, you need to know God is faithful. Scripture says, be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The last thing the devil wants you to be is sober and alert. Think about it. When you're sober and alert, your senses are, you're just aware. And you can tell what's right and, you know, you're just aware of what's coming at you. But if you're not sober and you're not alert, you can find yourself in a situation. Um, <clears throat> there's a story I want to share with you because here's the reality. Here's the reality, guys. 
when you leave a place and you say, okay, I'm going to live for God, <clears throat> you have possibly that night, that moment that you fall, that you fail. You know what I'm talking about? It's that relapse moment. And, and that's all part of growth. That's all part of growth. You learning when I fall, okay, what were the circumstances around me falling? Oh, I was tired. I was running with this crowd. I was hanging out at this bar. I was discouraged. I was angry. That's all part of growing. So when you fall, you fall forward, right? That's part of growth. Um, Jesus had a conversation with Simon Peter, and this is before Jesus went to the cross. And Jesus tells Simon Peter that he's going to be tested by the devil. And this is the famous, like Jesus is giving Simon Peter a heads up about Simon Peter denying Christ three times. Remember after the third time, the rooster's going to crow, that story. But Jesus tells Simon Peter this, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. And when I read that, you know what I think? I think there's conversations happening in the spiritual world that we know nothing about. Some of you are living a life in such a way that you're a threat to the devil. Glory to God. <laughs> and there's conversations about you. Some of you are being held down and there's conversations about you. So Jesus tells him, hey, you know what? Satan, Simon, uh, Satan wants to break you. He wants to break you apart. That's what sifting means. And then he says, but I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. He said, your faith. Jesus said, I'm praying that your faith should not fail. He didn't say Simon Peter won't fail. See, Jesus knew what Simon Peter would do. And then he says, so when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Isn't that cool? Jesus is saying, learn from this, Simon Peter. Learn from this, Simon. And he says, when you fall down, Oh, this is so good, guys. When you fall down, you know what? You're going to learn some things, and you're to get up. I pray your faith does not fail. You hold on to your faith. You keep walking to God. You keep trusting God. You keep living with by faith. You keep going. You don't stop. And you hold on to Jesus, and you say, I'm going to grow from this. I'm going to be better. I'm going to be stronger. I'm going to do God's will in my life, and I'm not going to let that moment define me. I'm not going to let that moment hold me back. I'm not going to let that moment keep me back. I'm going to live for God. Jesus tells Simon Peter, when you fail, don't let go of your faith. And somebody needs to hear that. Don't let go of your faith. I love Psalm 37. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. Say godly with me. He's talking about Christians here, so to speak. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. He cares about every detail of my life. And look at the very next verse. Though they stumble, who's they? The godly. They will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hands. Oh, all the godly, you should thank God for this word right here. The word says, when they, yeah, when they fall, God holds them by the hand and says, all right, I'll pick you back up. You're going to be all right. I'll pick you back up. It's going to be okay. You're going to make it. Here's what I want to say to you, and I want you to just say it all. Do you need, somebody needs to say this. Say, 
I'm getting up. Can you say that? I'm getting up. Shout it out. I'm getting up. I'm getting up. I'm getting up. I'm not going to let that define me. I'm not going to let that moment define me. I'm getting up, baby. I'm getting up. I'm not going to let that hold me back. I'm getting up. Don't believe the lies from the devil. He's a father of lies. Don't believe that. Your future is in the hands of God. God has you here on purpose. He has a plan for your life. He's going to work a miracle in your life. He wants you to turn to him with all of your heart. He wants to do a miracle in your home, in your marriage, in your relationships. I'm getting up. Somebody say it again. I'm getting up. I'm getting up. Here's the 90-day challenge, guys. Check it out. I thought, well, you know how much money you spend on a 90-day program? Tens of thousands of dollars. This is free. This is free. Here's the 90-day Thorn Creek Challenge. Are you going to take it? Here it is. This is to break addictions. This is to be a better version of you in Christ Jesus. Here it is. 90 days. Don't miss church. Did I lose some of you just with that statement right there? If you're out of town, you can watch online. If you're watching online right now, watch every weekend. 90 days. It's a 90-day challenge. Here's the other part. This is a more practical step. I want to just challenge you for 90 days to do this. When you get out of bed, just take one step and fall to your knees and say, Jesus, I need you today. Before you go to the bathroom, before you brush your teeth, before you put on your pants, one step, fall to your knees on the side of your bed and with your face to the ground, say, Jesus, I need you. Need that for 90 days? Let's just see what God does. He's going to flex. Just see what God does. And then be open to whatever God wants to do in your life. Next weekend, I'm preaching a message called Still Grieving. Come to church. If you had a heart heartbreak or you lost a friend or you lost a loved one, lost a job or you've been hurt by someone, don't miss church next week. It's going to be so good. Throw off. Say throw off with me again. Throw it off and instead let the Holy Spirit renovate your mind. Let him do whatever he wants to do. You guys ready to turn to God? I want to pray with you. This is the time right now where you can just turn to God. Some of you need to ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. This is the time. That's why you have breath in your lungs. That's why you're at church. Others of you, you came to church and you have an addiction. God knows what it is, but today is a new day. God wants to break it today. Are you going to let him do that? Let's pray. God, thank you for your grace and your mercy. And if you're ready to receive Jesus, would you say this? Say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to forgive me for my sins. I repent of my sins and I turn to you and I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. I want to become a Christian right now and I give you my past and present and future. Jesus, you get behind the steering wheel of my life and I want to live for you. Help me to walk by faith. Help me to live this life. Others of you, maybe you need to say this, God, I need to break an addiction today. This thing has my number, and I need you to break it for me. So I ask God to you to deliver me from that addiction. Tell him what it is. 
break it, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, I need you to renew my mind. I need you to do a work of miracle inside of me. Make me a new person. Transform my heart. Transform my mind. And give me that same resurrection power that Jesus experienced from the grave inside of me. Do a miracle in my life. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Can we thank God for his word, guys? God is so good. Praise the Lord. Hey, we have some people over here, uh, prayer partners are willing to pray for you. During this song, you can walk on over there. This is their ministry. They would consider it an honor to pray with you. If you're watching online, let us know if you need prayer. If you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, let us know. We also have a free gift for you called Now What? We want to give that to you to help you on your journey, on your walk with God. I thought about how to close this message, and there's a a song uh, called Grave Clothes. And we did this back in Easter. How many of you remember this song? This is a fun song, guys. This this song, Grave Clothes, is, is, is wonderful, and it just fits with the message so well. The lyrics say this, the lyrics say this. I walked out of my grave clothes, and I came out in a new robe. Isn't that good? That's that throwing off that old life, throwing off the way you used to live. I was buried there for too long. Say too long with me. Buried there for too long. Now I come alive in the one who has conquered it all. Some of you, that's your testimony. You said a prayer today. And I want to encourage you, let this song be your testimony. I want to encourage you to get into it. Like when, you, like when you're in your car and you start singing that crazy Taylor Swift song or whatever it is, just, let, just have fun. This is a great song. Let it be your testimony. I want you to stand up and let's celebrate what God has done and throw it off. Say, throw it off again, guys.